Your church is full of young men ready and willing to be discipled. On this week's episode of the Noble Man Podcast, we speak to student pastors Mike and Mark about how the church is instrumental in connecting the generations. Hey guys, welcome to the Noble Man Podcast. I'm excited today because I've got two student ministry leaders with me at the table here in the Noble Warriors office. We've got uh, Mark Young, who is the student pastor at Swift Creek Baptist Church, and Mike Kamari, who's a student pastor at uh, Parkway Baptist Church. So guys, welcome to the Noble Man Podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministry, how long you've been in place, and, and your family. Just give us a quick background, Mark. Yeah, so thanks for having me, first of all. Um, we've been uh, at Swift Creek for just about six years. So I got here in June of 2016. So it's been six years of uh, seeing the Lord move and kids growing in Christ. And it's been a great joy. My wife and I, when we showed up, we had a seven-month-old son and now we have five kids. Wow. <laughs> so the Lord has multiplied our family since being here. That's awesome. Very cool. All right, Mike. Yeah, so I have had the privilege of serving at Parkway Baptist Church. This is year 14 uh, in full-time ministry. I started going to the church when I was a junior in high school right after the church was planted. So I've been at the church 20 total years, but uh, on staff full-time as student pastor for 14. And so uh, just a real pleasure to, to be able to serve families for all these years and, and see students, um, you know, like Mark said, uh, brought up in Christ and mobilized and launched uh, literally all over the world yep. uh, to, to do kingdom service. Uh, my wife, Julie, and I um, have been married 14 years. Uh, we have two kids, Jillian and Landon. Uh, just grateful for uh, what the Lord's doing in their lives yeah. as well. Awesome. Very cool. Now, you're also the youth guy for SBC of Virginia, right? So yes, you've got yeah. a couple of hats that you wear. Yeah, yeah. They just changed my title to student ministry coordinator for the state. Yeah, very cool. Well, let's jump right into it. We've, we've been talking about mentoring for a number of months already through Noble Warriors, but I want to read just a couple of verses here from Titus chapter 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. This is Paul speaking to Titus. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. And then it goes on to talk about older women. I'm going to skip over that part um, and go down to verse 6, where it says, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. There's just a little bit there, but we see in Titus 2, the whole overall picture is that the mature members of the church should be investing in the younger members and helping them to understand what it means to grow in godliness. And just coming out of the gate, how do you work Titus 2 sort of mentality into your ministry right now? Well, for us, um, we are serious about discipleship, wanting to see our young people, especially our young men, have connection with older men in the church, being discipled, obviously being poured into, like Titus 2 talks about here, older men, teaching the younger men, uh, especially to be self-controlled, and men of integrity, men of the Word. And so we do that in our context in a couple ways. I mean, the, the top-level discipleship is the corporate worship service. I don't think we talk about the corporate worship service being discipleship, but it mm -hmm. absolutely is discipleship. Absolutely. And so helping the the young men see their own dads engaged in worship i think is super important for their own discipleship hearing the word preached and have a seriousness to sit under sermons to respond to the word so i think corporate worship is top level then you know we have connect groups and we have men that are pouring into our younger men at different grades and ages that's kind of a catch-all discipleship smaller setting but then from there our next step is we have we have something that we call a student leadership team um, and that's kind of a way to take the students who are serious about going deeper to be discipled 
by older men in the church. So they actually are um, responsible for finding a mentor to meet with regularly. And then they actually are discipled by me to lead discipleship groups. But then they are actually commissioned to create and lead their own discipleship groups, D groups, within the student ministry. They kind of take those and run with those. They all look a little bit different, but those discipleship groups are essential for them because they're now being discipled with peer-to-peer discipleship. They're reading the Bible together, praying together, um, spurring one another on in the faith. And that's really, really huge. It's a little messy at first, but they're trying. And it's really, really been very healthy for our student ministry as well. Some of those things probably feel clunky and awkward to those guys, but if you don't work through that stage and give them an opportunity to struggle with it, then they're never going to learn how to do it as uh, as they grow older. Mike, what do you what goes on at Parkway? Yeah, so similar to, to Mark, we, we've got our corporate worship service. We have a kind of a program that, that we do uh, during the week called Midweek. Uh, and so we have older men pouring into younger men during that time as well. Um, and then we also have from that uh, a high school girls group that meets with, with some uh, older uh, women. But then we have a high school guys group uh, that I lead at my home on Tuesday nights. And uh, I've been intentional in that to raise up some guys, particularly the senior guys. Yeah. Um, and t- they take a year and they help me lead that group. And so I'm walking with them and, and uh, in a discipleship relationship, we meet and I give them the reins of, hey, we're going to walk through this text. We're going to walk through this book of the Bible. And I want you guys to eventually lead and, and to, to run with this group. Like it, the, the goal is not for me to run it. It's, it's for you. And so um, that's been really neat. And we've also this year, we've seen some of the 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 juniors and even sophomores want to like take a take a turn and take a stab at it because they see their their peers doing it and they pay more attention to them than they do me you know and I and I love that you know that's what it's all about and so so really just uh, just really being intentional with those guys and then uh, our softball ministry we have a lot of our teenage guys a lot of our student guys involved in our softball ministry we have four teams that play in an eight team league on Monday nights um, and so they get some real like life on life experience with sure. a lot of our adult guys at our church playing softball during the yeah. summer, you know. And that's real life because it's real outside life. of the context of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes we can get awfully churchy with this right, absolutely. And we need to see real life. So both of you are very much involved, and obviously you're student pastors, so you're very much involved in this discipleship yourself. Would you like to see more seasoned men involved in this? Part of what you're ending up with here is the high schoolers leading the high schoolers, which is awesome. They've got a learning environment, but um, are we really getting to this Titus two model here where we're seeing the intergenerational church? Yeah, I'd love to see that. And and I'm grateful that part of my, my student adult leader team, I, I've got some seasoned men who are yeah. empty nesters, who have grandkids, you know, um, who, who are serving and who have served for, for 12 plus years. Giving, giving themselves and pouring into these young men um, over the years who week in, week out. Uh, just pour themselves out, you know, but I, I, we need more, you know. And some um, of that's just being present. You don't even have to do a lot. And I think I think that's what freaks a lot of the wiser guys out is, hey, I, I, I won't be able to speak into this generation because they speak a completely different language than yeah. I do, you know, or they're so wrapped up into social media. And I don't know anything about that, you right. know, but but really the ministry of presence, like you just said, is is huge. And you don't know what what the Lord will end up doing with that and how far the Lord will take that. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, you got a comment about that? Well, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, we do need it. There seems to be an absence of older men invested in the lives of the younger men. It just seems to be an abyss in the church. And I think it needs to be a priority from the pulpit, first mm-hmm. and foremost, absolutely. that this is the culture of the church that we want to pursue. If it's not an emphasis from the pulpit, if it's not an emphasis from 
the pastors of the church, it's not going to be in the hearts of the men of the church, you know, to invest in the lives of the younger men. You know, if we're talking about youth or even college-aged young men, it needs to be a priority that this is biblical discipleship. Come alongside of younger men, take them to lunch, take them out to coffee, take them bowling. I don't know what you got to do, you know, but yeah. just spend time with them, be with them, you know, because like you said, they might feel disconnected, but man, they just, they have so much life experience that they can pour in and invest. You know, we need to seek to cultivate that. So I'm going to raise the issue that a preaching, teaching pastor would raise, and that is how many priorities can I make from the pulpit? And so in in a sentence, how would you work this into the message so that it could become the culture of the church? I mean, how do, how do you do that? You know, so Coach Coach Derek for a moment, Coach Monty for a moment, they're going to listen to this. I I don't want to put you guys <laughs> on the spot right here, but Thanks, I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think one thing that, that Derek does is I've noticed in his preaching— he does at certain moments like call out dads like yeah. hey dads we yeah. need to talk about this or hey hey guys we need to we need to pour into um you know the next generation coming up and and even when when I when I get the mic sometimes you know when I make an announcement or something like that I try to take an opportunity from sure. time to time too to speak into whether I'm giving announcements or taking a time to to pray during a transition or something like that I, I try to take that time to yeah. encourage the the older men too but I think I think yeah it can just be easily just one sentence like in a sermon you know as you're making a point one application is okay like hey men older men we're gonna take this I want to encourage you to take this to to the younger men you know that are in your life already I think I think that's yeah. the thing too is a lot of these older men have younger men in their lives around their sphere of influence already so see who's there around you already and then take the next step and in, in being intentional and in, in sharing living life uh with those guys yeah so that's a big deal being intentional all right so yeah. what's your coaching for monty here oh gosh this is so put me on the spot i just uh, i just love this well i'll tell you what, what i do personally so we have a wednesday night student worship service yeah. and i usually preach that service. And so we walk through books of the Bible typically. I just let the text dictate an application. And um, often that application directly leads to confessing sin to a fellow believer. Um, I feel like in almost every sermon I have an application for emphasizing reading their Bible daily, you know, being diligent in your own yeah, personal yeah. walk with the Lord. That's a little piece. Um, but then there's more specific things. Like on Sunday, I preached Philippians 2, and the third point was. Um, our light shines through humble service. And so there was a quick application of pouring yourself out for another person by mentoring someone yeah. else. And so, yeah. you know, you just kind of let the text dictate that application. And as it comes up, make that application for your own church and the emphasis of being discipled um, either by older believers or with other believers in discipleship community, reading the word, like putting an emphasis on that, putting an emphasis on the gospel. I think you can always do it because it's the gospel is always there. Therefore, gospel community is always there. So we talk about men being intentional with with making these connections. And so as speakers, leaders, pastors um, in the local church, we need to be intentional about talking about this and, and making it part of the application. Well, let me transition now because it was a Barna study that came out, I guess, a, about two months ago now. And it was about discipleship community. Barna did it in conjunction with the Navigators. And this particular graphic caught my eye. It's the spectrum of discipleship community. The thing that amazed me so much was that boomers, ages 58 to 67, and Gen Xers, ages 42 to 57, man, the, the number of those groups who are not engaged in discipleship at all is 53% for the boomers, 41 for the, the Gen Xers. The thing that's even more troubling is that the number of members of these communities who are only being discipled 
uh, was 28 and 27 for the Boomers and Gen Xers, respectively. And I just uh, part of what gets me in this is that we're looking at generations of folks who are consumers in Christianity, and they they never think I know enough to invest in another person. They don't have this picture of multiplying disciples. What is your reaction to this graphic, and how do we speak to some of these seasoned folks and let them know that they have value in the lives of younger people? They can be this Titus two model to some of these younger folks. They they don't have to keep soaking up more spiritual information. They need to start pushing it out. Well, when I look at this, I see boomers, 81% of them are not discipling. So, I mean, that's a pretty staggering statistic. It is. Their kids are the millennials. The Gen Xers' kids are the Gen Zs. So the reason that when we talk about young men being discipled, right, if they're not seeing their own fathers Mm -hmm. in their own discipleship communities, right, a, a small group or something like that, a D group, if it's not a priority for their dad, then why should we expect it to be a priority for their kids, right? Whether their kids are 25 or their kids are 12, you know? And so I do think that's a, when I look at this, this, that's the biggest thing I think I see visually is the reason it's such an abyss in that our young men aren't being discipled or we want them to be discipled and there seems to be this big gap is because it's not a priority for just their own dads to be in a small group where they're confessing sin, reading the Bible with other men, growing in the word. Um, so they're not even seeing it modeled or a priority in their own home. Mm-hmm. And if they saw it in a, in a way that it was a priority in their home, those teenage kids or those college kids, they would begin to seek out their own mentor, their own discipleship group because they've seen it modeled at home. So, you know, fathers out there, if you're thinking, man, I wish my my kids would be more involved in their own spiritual growth and development. I wish I'd see them more connected at church. Well, then maybe you haven't done a great job with that in the last few years, but start now being an example. Join a small group yourself. Be Submit yourself into a discipleship group. Get engaged. So good word. Yeah, I think, too, you know, with the older generations— um, I think I think it shows too. They just they struggle with relationships, mm-hmm. you know. Even just just guys having good friends, you know, yeah. and how to how to build relationships and how to have relationships uh, with other men, just their own ages themselves, um, which I think then plays into a role of, hey, if, if I if I don't have friends, then then I'm not going to jump into a discipleship group where I got to be vulnerable, you know. Um, I, I think I think that kind of plays into it as well. Um, but but also with the younger generations, the millennials and Gen Z, the the high percentages of them in discipleship community shows that hey, there's there's a desire yeah. um, among those age groups to to be a part of those discipleship communities and churches and being involved, um, and uh, and so I think I think that's. Uh, that's a plus side to this, but then who are the ones discipling those? You mm-hmm. know, yeah. uh, th- those young people. If if the older ones aren't, or is it is it just folks their own age? You know, which which isn't bad, but yeah, but, but they miss the value what's what I'm saying. Of yeah, decades of, of wisdom Christian and, living. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. And so that's where I think um, and feel that, that that's where that's where we need we need more and more of those older guys coming alongside uh, these um, these younger men who are who are, are, by statistics, engaging a little bit more, you know? So if you could paint a picture of a Titus II active church that you're part of, what does that look like? And I'm specifically thinking about young guys and men. What 
what would what would it look like for a church to be really winning with a Titus two model where older believers are pouring into younger believers? What does that look like? If you could dream for a moment, like Mark alluded to earlier, like it has to it has to start with 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 the pastors, you know, uh, the the leadership, the 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 elder boards, the deacons. Um, it has to start there, um, and I feel like. Uh, those are those are the the leaders in the church, so they should we should expect them to live this type of model out, you mm-hmm. know, among themselves. But then also, uh, kind of push in push them a little bit to say, hey, like we need you're you're the leaders of the church. We need you to help model this, you know. So in, even encouraging them, like, hey, seek out a couple of young men and just and just walk with them. What I would love to see, like in a perfect world, is I'd love to walk in church on a Sunday morning and just see older men and younger men just having conversations all throughout the foyer, you know, uh, going into to service, you know, high-fiving, handshaking, hugging, you know, just living life together. If I go out and have a meeting at a restaurant, you know, meeting another pastor or, or a church member, you know, seeing some of these guys with these younger men at these coffee shops and Chick-fil-A's or wherever, you know, um, having having meals together and just living life together. These older men showing up to, to sporting events and and extracurricular activities, you know, for these, uh, for these young men, because then what happens too is these older men not only build a relationship with the young men, they start building a relationship with this young man's father as yeah, well, yeah. and roping him in as well. Um, and so I just kind of see a trickle effect there as well. So I love it. Yeah, I think Mark, what would you that's, ask that? That's a great word, Mike. Um, a church that is serious about discipleship has to have time and space for community to happen so that discipleship can happen. So if you never gather as a church, your discipleship will be really, really difficult. And what I mean by gather is outside of the corporate worship yep. service. So, you know, doing very basic, like, fellowships together, you know, fellowship over meals and doing some fun things where you're actually coming together, giving people time and space to build relationships that discipleship can come from, and giving time and space to fulfill the one another's of Scripture, to love one another, yep. to serve one another, to meet needs, to really pray for each other. Um, we have to build time and space for community to happen, and then discipleship comes from that, and then uh, a missional overflow of your community and discipleship, which then people see that looking in. They say, I've got to be a part of that, yeah. you know, and then they want to come in to what Christ is doing among you. But we have to build time and space for a community to happen so that you walk into a worship service like Mike is talking about, and you do have older men high-fiving the younger men because we have created a, a gospel-centered culture where those relationships can be fostered and made. From there, you have guys inviting younger men out to lunch, and you have them coming over to the house. You know, you have them going fishing with them. You know, things like that to happen. You know, it just it just strikes me that if there were a church in a community where that was really happening, I think young men would come out of the woodwork for that. I, I think that would become an evangelism strategy for the local church. You know, Mike, I want to go back to the the, the comment about going to the games. You know, those guys didn't have anything else to do. They just <laughs> they're going to sit at home and watch television. So they just as well come out and watch a high school basketball game. And um, so it does. It makes a difference. And that brings me to another Barna study and in, in a book that came out some years ago called Faith for Exiles. And one key here: what builds resilient disciples? And and one of the keys that they found was was this statement right here: I have someone in my life other than family who I can go to for an advice on personal issues. And that was generally someone in the church. And if there's some other valuable, uh, helpful relationship with an adult who's not a family member in the local church, they're more likely to stay engaged. They're more likely to see the value of the body of Christ. And so we have to be very intentional 
about helping people make those connections and establish those relationships. So what does programming or intentionality look like to move us to those sorts of relationships? I think my first thought is um, we have some top-tier stuff in place already Mm -hmm. with just basic connect group or Sunday school type you know, relationships, right? Yeah. So you have that in place, which is good. But then going beyond that, I do think if you put a structure in place, like some sort of some sort of group with students, let's say in youth ministry, you have a group of students and then they are the leaders of your youth ministry and they want to go deeper in discipleship. You assign them the task of you need to find a mentor in the church yeah. and you need to ask them, would you meet with me consistently? you know, once every week or two or once a month, something consistently um, for coffee, for lunch, and we talk about what I'm reading in the Word, and I can you can pour into me. I would love that. You know, you yeah. encourage them, and then you send them out that, hey, this is a priority for you. If you want to grow and develop as a leader, a discipler in this youth ministry, this is an assignment for you. And then... Um, and then you can even give... Um, so what we do at Swift Creek is we actually give um, those mentors... A little bit of a kind of a, a guideline structure to how to have conversations with their students, at least just some things to focus on, yeah. right? Just to kind of give get the ball rolling so they don't just spin their wheels in the conversation. So I think that's helpful too. It's a something to get the ball moving. But again, it's only a small piece because we're only talking about a few students and a few adults. When you have a church of hundreds of people, it, it can begin there, but it needs to be more than that. So yeah. I think you can do that type of structure at a bigger church level. Yeah. Who are, who is the group that wants to be discipled? You can do that at church level at different ages. And then who would be willing and have the time to and and want to pour into these who want to be discipled? Yeah. And then you begin to pair people up. That can happen. We just have to have some structure to do that. No, I, I completely agree. And, and we've done a little bit of, of both at, at Parkway. Um, I've got some older wiser guys um that uh, that have said mike like we we have time we we love working with young men um can you pair us up you know with with some folks and so so we've done that over the years but then also we've we've done the same thing mark where we've encouraged um we've encouraged students to go find go find someone that uh that you can pour into and like what's what's cool is is like you throw that out there and then that organic that organicness does happen, yeah. you know, um, whether it be on the softball field with our men's softball guys or just through um, going on a retreat and having a, a, an adult guy as a small group leader at a mm-hmm. retreat or, or even during our midweek time, um, you know. And, and what's cool is is those those older men are humbled at the fact that, man, here's this teenager coming up to me asking me, like, to hang out and to spend time, um, and so uh, I think I think that's a, a really neat thing as well. And uh, and Richard Ross would always throw out this stat of of having um, having three to five significant adult relationships in the life of a student, other than parents and student pastor. It, it would it would allow that student. To, to be more connected to the church post high school graduation. There's a specific number I can't remember off the top of my head, but Richard Ross is a is a huge youth ministry guru for years, just just a legend in student ministry world. But he he has been running on that uh, for the last probably 15 to 20 years. On hey, we need to we need to have a structure where students have those significant adult relationships, yeah. so that those relationships carry on even post 
high school graduation, you know, and when yeah. they get into adulthood and, and really start experiencing life, they got, they've got these adults to call, call back on and, uh, as, they, as they grow in life and experience life as an adult. Yeah. Man, I want to take a second and tell you about the newest resource from Noble Warriors. We call it Meet Me at the Fire. This six-week study is designed to engage men around a fire pit with stories of how fire is used in the Word of God. For a limited time, and as a thank you for listening to the Nobleman Podcast, you can get this study for half off using the code PODCAST50. You can find the link and the code in the description of this podcast. Thank you for your support for Noble Warriors and for the Nobleman Podcast. There's a question I forgot to ask at the beginning, and that is, tell me about the mentoring relationships in your life. You know, somewhere along the line, someone saw something in you and called it out so that you guys are serving local churches. You're seeing young people come to Christ, and the work is being multiplied because someone saw the hand of the Lord on your lives and called that out. And, and folks, if you're listening to this, you could be the one who lays your hand on the shoulder of a young Mark Young or a young Mike Camary and says with gravity, I see the Lord working in your life. I want to pray for that to come to completion in his plan for you, and I want to run with you in that. You could be the guy who speaks into someone's life like these two young pastors. So guys, tell us about a couple of guys who spoke into your life that way. Is that a fair question for us to end with? Yeah, sure. Um, when when I when I was growing up, I grew up in North Carolina and went to a, a First Baptist Church in Eden, North Carolina. Um, and I remember two guys specifically doing exactly what you just said um, and saying pretty much the same exact thing that you said. A guy named Bob Wilkes, who helped lead my dad to the Lord when I was seven years old, um, and then a guy named Keith Duncan, who was my Sunday school teacher for for years. And uh, both of those guys just. Walked life with me. I'd go help Bob Wilkes out at his house, you know, do different yard work things. And he had a beehive in the back. So I remember him like dressing me up in all of his beehive gear, just yeah. living life, you know, but but teaching me life skills, but also spiritually along the way yeah. as well. Um, and, uh, and then here, uh, when I started going to Parkway and uh, talked to Brian Autry, who was our, our planting yeah. pastor, founding pastor, and Derek as well, um, just told them about my calling. And they were like, well, okay, like, Help us build student ministry and and jump right in and and so even along the way still those guys have poured into me uh, in tremendous ways and I remember conversations I was just texting Brian this the other day remember conversations that I had with him nineteen twenty years ago that helped shaped me yeah. then but still shapes me today who sure. I am in ministry and and when I think back and I look back on the influence those guys have had on my life like I don't know where I would be without their their influence yeah. you know and just the truth that they would speak like they were willing to speak truth into my life you know it, it just they're just very uh, character forming and and heart forming heart shaping for who I am today and then continuing that is is as many of them speak into my life still currently so for me I was um, into high school it was my own youth pastors I think about J Rod Brooks. Um, when I got into college, it was another college student who was two years older than me um, at Mississippi State, Drake Nosco. And then as I was in college, halfway through my freshman year, I felt called to ministry. So then sophomore year, our college pastor there, Nathan Taylor, took a serious investment in me and really encouraged me and started meeting with me. And he poured into me and encouraged me to start serving at the church. So it was Nathan, it was Jim Yates, it was Neil Tullis. These are all guys at my former church in Mississippi that poured into me, guys in ministry. Asa Walker, when I was in college, um, he taught me how to 
preach my first sermon. He mm-hmm. he taught me how to be a man of integrity and a man of of purity. Uh, when I was a sophomore in college, a twenty year old, he was five years older than me, twenty five. So all along the way, it was these guys, not just ministry leaders, but also just guys I was friends with that were a few years down the road yeah. from me, pouring back into me, and has made a huge difference. You know, and I would be remiss to not talk about just some peer to peer relationships. I had a high school friend who was slightly older than me. We were we were best friends, Louis Ruiz, who's a pastor now, and and um, we had no idea then that we would both be pastors now. Yeah. We were both in high school, and um, we kept each other accountable, read the Word together, grew together. Um, amazing years of life-on-life discipleship every day, and we didn't really even know it was happening, but it was happening, you yeah. know, and we would keep each other accountable and to grow, and God was using that the whole time. So our desire is to see this become so natural that it's you don't even realize it's happening because it's so much a part of how you do life with uh, with intergenerational relationships and people investing in other people, seeing the value of that. So, well, guys, thanks so much for taking time. This has been a fun conversation. I, I know we could go on and on, but I'm going to need to cut this off. But thank you for what you do, investing in students and, um, and calling even their families. And so there's so much that we could talk about, but uh, we'll have to do this again. Thank you for being here for the Nobleman Podcast. Folks, thanks for listening. Remember to share this with someone else who might benefit from it and uh, give us a review on your podcast platform. Thanks so much and God bless you folks.